Hi, I'm Kristen Ludlow from NBA Inside Stuff, and you're listening to the Double Clutch Podcast. Hello there, guys, and welcome to the Double Clutch NBA Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Holbert, and I'm joined today by Thomas Robry. Hello there. So, uh, we appreciate it's been a while, and obviously we're all having withdrawal symptoms from the NBA. But today we're going to talk about the Central Division in the Eastern Conference. So that's a, I guess, would you say it's quite a strong division, Thomas, just before we dive into it? Easily the strongest in the East. Yeah. One through five, they could all make the playoffs. Uh, Yeah, I mean, that's, for that reason, Thomas said, that's the reason we've chosen them. I think you could say anyone in that division has got a good chance of playoffs, and I don't think you'd be wrong. Uh, So that division, for anyone who doesn't know them off by heart, uh, has got the Cleveland Cavaliers, Chicago Bulls, Milwaukee Bucks, Indiana Pacers, and Detroit Pistons. So that's five pretty good teams. Although uh, two of them didn't reach 500, but they had their own problems. Um, we'll start with the Cleveland Cavaliers, and we'll just we'll round up their off-season. So, obviously, the big moves were re-signing Kevin Love and bring about LeBron James. I mean, <laughs> there's not a lot to say here, but obviously, the best possible outcome, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, what you know, if you're that team and you've just got made the finals with an injured Kyrie, injured Kevin Love. You're now getting Love and Kyrie back and LeBron back and you've managed to keep Iman Shumpert, Matthew Delavadova. You're in a pretty good position and they they brought in Richard Jefferson and Mo Williams. So they're just retooling. Yeah, I, I really liked the uh, Richard Jefferson signing. I think he's just going to create more space for them. I think with him as well, they, they needed reliable shooters. I'm not sure that, um, that Shumpert's shot was reliable enough in the finals. I mean, he was even missing corners, which is pretty unforgivable. I, I think the Warriors really made them pay for that. But Mo Williams, what do you make of him? Because he played for my team last year, and I always thought his problem was very talented player. You know, he hit 54 points in a game for us, but not got a lot of basketball IQ. But I think in our team, he kind of he had to take bad shots because we're just not a very good team, my Timberwolves. So, you know, how important is that pickup? Or do you think it's sentimental? I think it's literally Mo Williams has seen that the Cavaliers are now really good. And he's just gone, oh, I want to go back to that team purely because he knows they're his best chance at a ring. Because he's not going to play that often. Delavadova's a better defender. And yes, he's a better shooter than Delavadova, but he's still not great, is he? So no. it's just it's just LeBron saying, look, he's one of my guys, bring him back. We'll stick him on the bench. And, you know, if Shumpert gets cold like he did in the finals, then... Mo Williams can put up points. Yeah, and I, I think also with Mo, he can play two guard. I mean, I don't... An, an Irving Williams backcourt defensively would be terrible, but sometimes you have got to just throw caution to the wind. And he can score, he can score off the dribble, he can create his own shot. He's got quite good movement in the half court. I think he could you know, make good cuts to the basket. But yeah, I think he could be a very good role player. You've got to look at what David Griffin has done as GM and he's brought in... I don't think he's just brought in guys who LeBron knows. But yeah, it's rumoured that they're in for um, Tayshaun Prince and Jamal Crawford. Crawford, as a potential bench player for them, would be really good because that's what they missed was scoring from the bench. So like, he'd be a terrific pickup for them. But I think it's quite telling that they still haven't brought back J.R. Smith. Yeah, and, they, and also another player they haven't brought back um, is Tristan Thompson. I mean, the the deal was agreed, but he's not officially on their roster. I mean, 
do we make anything of that, or is it just sort of delaying? He's LeBron's the guy, and I think LeBron thinks Tristan Thompson is better than Tristan Thompson actually is. So, like the Cavs front court, uh, front office, should I say, are trying their best to get him at the right price rather than the rumored eighty million because he's not worth eighty million. No, he's not, and I think I think that was uh, my problem with the deal. I, he's a good player, good, great defender. I think he showed he has some offense, but I don't think he's useless. Well, it's the the big selling point is he can rebound. Kevin Love can rebound. Yeah, and Kevin, Kevin Love led the NBA in rebound in like multiple seasons. Yeah, Kevin Love's probably the best offensive power forward in the so NBA. So I just I just don't see why they'd re-sign Love to this massive contract and then re-sign Thompson to an eighty million contract as a backup. It's ridiculous. It, it is a bit strange and. They brought back James Jones, good shooter. He's quite funny to watch. I just enjoy him. He's all. He, if he gets to the finals next year, I think that'll be six finals in a row or five, which is just crazy. But um, they did actually make a trade, Cleveland, which I kind of forgot about. They got rid of Brendan Hayward and Mike, Mike Miller to Portland, cleared up a luxury tax a bit, so their owner isn't having to splash out as much. Is there anything to make of that trade, or do you think it's just purely financial? It's just financial. Brendan Haywood had a one-year $10 million deal, and he's awful. Yeah. So you have to get rid of that contract. I think so, and I think Portland will look at it from their point of view. I think they are just rebuilding. There's nothing wrong with taking an expiring contract. They know they're going to be bad this year. Um, I think they're going to use this year to develop their young players. And, and Cleveland are in win now. They didn't need a guy like Mike Miller. I think I would argue he's past it, as harsh as that sounds. Well, that's it. Well, the, I, it was weird that like in the Bulls series, they started him as a power forward, which was really strange. Yeah, I'm guessing they were trying to embrace small ball a bit. <laughs> but, I mean, that's tiny ball. That's not small ball. <laughs> That was ridiculous. He's past that, and it was just when they signed him, it was just nostalgia because he could shoot threes when he was on that Heat team. He did give me uh, one of my favorite ever finals performances. He hit, I think, seven threes against OKC. It was quite funny about when he was in Miami. But Cleveland, I mean, do you see them getting to the finals again? I mean, I do. I can't can't see any other team in the. uh, I hate to say it, but Cleveland stacked. They're head and shoulders above every other East Conference team. And, like, people discuss the Eastern Conference and say, who were the favourites for, like, who were the nearest challenges to Cleveland? There really isn't any. No, I... I, I Cleveland are so good. And I, I'm not... I hate the Cavs, but they're stacked. They're going to be great. I, I would argue the next closest are um, between a couple. You could say Atlanta, but I'd say Miami. But they're just, I really like Miami. They're just nowhere near as good. I think Wade is slightly past it. I like Dragic, but he's not as good as Kyrie Irving. I like Chris Bosh. I'm not sure he brings as much to the floor as Kevin Love does. But then the big difference is LeBron James. He's the best player in the world. He's probably the best player of his generation. And I just think he's going to... I mean, they're definite of playoffs. There's no point even discussing the possibility of them not making it. Well, if the Cavs, they proved last year, they started awful. Hmm. And then just went on and crushed the the Eastern Conference. So if I mean if they start better than they did last year, which won't be very hard to do, they're easily getting the number one seed. I think so. I mean, they've got Mozgov as well, who I like. I, I know we had a chat about him. I think on the draft show, you said he's a bit a bit overrated, but he fits their system, which is nice, I guess. 
Um, yeah, they are completely stats. But we'll move on from the Cavs because, let's be honest, we all knew they were going to make the playoffs. And another team who should make the playoffs and another team who actually some people see as the closest challengers are the Chicago Bulls. They came second in this division last year. They were not out by the Cavs after destroying the Bucks in the first round. They had a pretty, um, I don't want to say mediocre, but they didn't really do a lot this offseason. They brought back Jimmy Butler, even though he was linked with the Lakers and the Knicks. They've brought in Mike Dunleavy and Aaron Brooks back on contracts. I mean, what do we make of their offseason? It's pretty boring. <laughs> I mean, they had a decent draft, but apart from that, it's pretty boring. But I suppose it's Hoiberg's for a first offseason. They didn't want to just throw loads at him. They could have done loads up. I'm not sure. They didn't have enough money to go and get a free agent. Um, and the guys they brought back are good. I, I like Aaron Brooks. When Rose was injured, I thought he played really well. Yeah, I like Brooks too. He's one of the best small point guards in the NBA. He's a really hard defender. I mean, he makes up for his lack of size and just pure energy and commitment. And Mike Dunleavy, good shooter. They've signed Cristiano Felicio, who is a Brazilian for no centre. I'm not going to pretend to be an expert. I don't know a lot about him, but all I'm saying is he's six foot nine, which is quite undersized. So I'm guessing he's going to be a sort of pick and roll guy. So he's more of a Hoiberg guy than a um, than a Fibido kind of guy. He's still bigger than Chuck Hayes. Though. Chuck Hayes was playing centre as a six foot six player. Yeah, and Ch- oh. Chuck Hayes' best spell came at Houston under Rick Adelman, and that was, he was a Rick Adelman kind of guy, you know, good in the pick and roll. No? We'll talk about their centre, actually. This is one of the most interesting points of the Bulls. Joakim Noah, very well, has been a very good player. I think he's declined in the last two years, personally. He was horrendous last year. Yeah, he was really bad. And I th- Do you think they'll move him? Because he's a perfect Thibodeau guy. He's, he's hard. I, just, I don't see him and Powell working together at all it, it's just not a combo that works no, yeah not in not with Powell's age as well I think maybe Power five years ago could have worked with him I wouldn't be shocked if by deadline both Noah and Taj Gibson were gone I, I, you know, I would argue maybe before the start of the season I mean Taj more likely than joking Noah just because they've got like a log jam at Power forward but Noah they need a young centre who can develop with Jimmy Butler because I don't think they've got anybody behind um, Noah, uh, yeah, behind Joaquin Noah, do they? don't believe so. I mean, they drafted Bobby Portis, but he's no centre. Um, no. They've got a lot of sort of young guards. They've got like Doug McDermott. Um, I think their backup centre at this point is um, Naz Mohammed, who's, again, he's a Thibodeau guy. He's not a... Um, He's not Fred Hoiberg. So what I mean by Thibodeau, guys, Thibodeau played a very defensive, hard system, whereas Fred Hoiberg's a bit more relaxed. He's more of an offensive coach. Um, do you, I just personally, I cannot see Noah working in Hoiberg's up-tempo system. I don't think he's got the energy to play it, and I don't think he's got the basketball IQ to play it. Well, if you look, watched him last year, like in years gone by, he'd be able to, I say drive, but it was really slow. He could drive to the basket and like finger roll in, but he couldn't even do that last year. Mm. I mean, he he, r- he really declined, didn't he? He's he's just got no legs left at all. No, I think there are teams. There's a lot of teams who could use him. You know, one I think that could possibly use him is um, it's the New Orleans Pelicans who could do with an extra rim protector. Um, but then again, what would they give up? Because he's on a monster contract, so it'd mm. have to be 
you know, Drew Holiday or somebody like yeah, that? Yeah, I don't, I don't think Drew Holiday's happening. I mean, Alvin Gentry said, I'm not sure this is right, but he said that he's one of the best point guards in the NBA. I think if you I look, think he could be if he's healthy, because he yeah. was great for the Sixers that one year. Yeah, I mean, and they're not going to move Tyreek Evans. He's a fantastic player. I mean, they could move Eric Gordon and, and say, Amir Ashik. Because Ashik played in um, Chicago before, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Actually, I think he's more of an up-tempo kind of guy than Noah is. But then again, Alvin Gentry at New Orleans runs an up-tempo system. So, you know, does he fit? One thing that a lot of people suggest is that the Bulls run small ball next year with Gasol at centre. Um, and then Miritich is a stretch four. I mean, do you think that would work? Is that a viable option? I think it could, but Miritich, when they got into the playoffs last year, he just couldn't shoot freeze at all. And no. he has to develop that part of his game. But I mean, he, he can shoot. You know, he's got really good range on his shot. He just hasn't got a reliable three-pointer. Yeah, and I think that can develop as well. I think... I'd I'd like to think he's going to get more open shots in Hoiberg's system than Thibodeau's, which was quite Derek Rose and Jimmy Butler central. I think Hoiberg will run more of a sort of team offense. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but I mean, they haven't even made any trades. I mean, this is quite a boring team. Really. Well, the biggest issue is that Rose and Butler seemingly couldn't play together last year, mm. and that, they're your stars. So if your two stars can't play together, what hope have you got? I'd, I'd personally like to give Hoiberg a chance before I judge about because when I watched Chicago last year, I thought it was a case of sort of Thibodeau going, yeah, it's your turn, Derek. Yeah, it's your turn, Jimmy. It was just alternating between them. And I think you've got to try and use them in tandem in a way rather than just sort of have plays for one, plays for the other. I think Rose has kind of accepted he's never going to be MVP level again. So I think that will help. Their draft pick, and we have discussed the draft, but obviously, because not a lot has happened with this team, we've got to, well, I guess we'll discuss it again. Bobby Portis, um, we were both shocked he went that low. How do you see him playing a big role this year? I do, purely because I think both Noah and Gibson are gone. Mm. He's proven he's good enough to start, well, not to start, but to play big minutes now. And if you can trade Taj Gibson and you can get a small forward who's more reliable than Dunleavy and McDermott. If you can trade nowhere and get a younger centre, then why not play Bobby Portis more minutes? Because he's proven he's really good. He should have gone much higher than 21. He was absolutely fantastic in Summer League. I didn't, we, I didn't catch much of Summer League because obviously it's at very odd times. But um, from what I saw, he was very good. Uh, he, he could do a bit of everything, can't he? He's very well-rounded. Yeah, and he's a big body. He's got no problems. And he's, what I love about him is he talks, you know, he's a smack talker. Mm. But he backs it up. He goes on the court. Even in summer league, he's like, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to come at you. I'm going to. That, that's a hell of a guy to have in your locker room. He's, you know, he's a rookie and he's got the attitude of he knows he's going to be good. And he's not, he's, it's not like he's arrogant, but he's, he's just not going to let anything stop him. Yeah, he kind of reminds me of Kevin Garnett with his sort of attitude. It's sort of like the world's against me, and he tries to rub that off on his teammates and stuff. He's had a really tough upbringing. If any of you get the chance, you could just type in Bobby Portis childhood. It's it's kind of interesting and sad at the same time what he went through as a kid. But yeah, I I really like him. I think he's going to be a big role player. They've got a couple of young guys. I know you're not very high on Doug McDermott, but he's 100% getting more minutes this year. I like McDermott 
as a situational shooter. Mm. But that's about it. Yeah, they could only Snell could develop this year. Yeah, I think they could have used McDermott in the playoffs. They were not scoring in that Cavs series, and Fibido. I think he was kind of arrogant. He just didn't bring him on. Well, that's what shocked me. So, I, I, yes, I'm not high on McDermott, but if your team, your team's biggest issue is you can't score and you can't shoot the three, you have a three point scorer on your bench. Mm. Yeah, and it was, I agree. It was just Fibido refusing to admit that he needed it. Yeah, he was very stubborn, wasn't he? I mean, great coach. Uh, probably top 10 in the league, but... Terrific coach, and his defence is still going to be in Chicago because Hoiberg would be stupid not to keep running that defence. Well, yeah, he's still got a couple of uh, Thibodeau's assistants, I think. So I would imagine they'll keep it. Uh, but do you see them making the playoffs? I mean, it would be... A big, I do, yeah. It'd be a big hot take, so they're not going to make it. Um... I, I think they're going to win close to 50 games again. Yeah, I think they'll be about the same as they were last year. Maybe even a little bit better if Rose stays fit. But I think the front court is an issue. I think they need to sort that out. Yeah, they, they just need to get younger. And I, Gibson is a guy that they could move for a couple pieces. Because it's been like the last two or three years, it's been rumoured that Gibson is going somewhere. Yeah, I think they could get. I don't think they'd get a first round pick for Gibson, but I think they'd possibly get, you know, a contract cleared and then maybe a young role player. You know, someone like Nick Stauskas. I'm not. I'm just talking about that kind of player, someone who's not really proven it, but clearly has potential. He'd be. He could. He'd be a good pickup too, because just because he can shoat the three and he can, you know, like Rose, he's not afraid to slash towards the net. Yeah, I, I completely agree that they definitely need to move Gibson, possibly get a guard in return, because I think they'll try and embrace small ball. We'll go on to the next team, Milwaukee Bucks. They had a slightly more interesting offseason. We'll start with their um, their big free agency re-signing before we go into who they the big name they signed. Uh, Chris Middleton, quite a big contract. What did, what did you make of that? It had to be a big contract because he was going to get paid somewhere else. He's a free and D guy. He's a perfect free and D guy, and they know what he's worth. I haven't got a problem with it. I think he's really good. He was my top target for the Nuggets. Yeah, he was linked with the Nuggets. He was linked with Miami, the Lakers, the Knicks, because they think they can sign anyone. <laughs> um, but he, he played really well last year. He he really surprised me because I didn't even think he was a 3 and D guy before last year. I thought he was just kind of a role player. But he, he really developed to a nice starter last year. He shot 47% from the field, which for a shooting guard, that's really good. He's he, like six foot seven, six foot eight as well, so he's stupidly long for a two guard. Yeah, that whole team is long, isn't it? It's, it's, I saw a graphic the other day. You know, Michael Carter Williams is six foot six, which is a huge report guard. Giannis Atacumpo is six eleven. And then they got Greg Monroe, 6'11", and Jabari Parker, 6'8". That is a big team. Giannis is 6'11", and still growing. <laughs> yeah. That's the crazy thing. He's still really young, so he's still got a bit of growth in him. They, yeah. they are stupid. I mean, they've still got John Henson on the bench as well, and Plumlee. So, I mean, that team is just... They're going to have so much rim protection. Yeah. the Last year, I think they were the second-best defense in terms of points. Um, if you judge defense on just points, yeah, I liked this pickup as well. I think three and D is the new is the new thing, in a way. I think they are just 
the way forward. Damari Carroll got paid. Danny Green got paid. Wes Matthews got a match contract, which was ridiculous. Um, so yeah, their Ru- entire team personifies Jason Kidd as a player. Yeah, they do, don't they? Really fiery, hard-working, sort of with a chip on their shoulder almost. I, whenever I watch Milwaukee, I feel like all of them have chips on their shoulder, just as a just as a franchise as well, because they've never really been good. They got one ring, but they've didn't make playoff basketball for many years. And well, they're suddenly just making really smart basketball moves. I mean, signing guys like Chris Copeland and getting Grievous Vasquez, they're moves that they're not big moves, but they're significant. Vasquez gives them a good backup. Copeland gives them a good defender off the bench. They're not moves that you usually associate with the Bucks making. No, they have been really intelligent. Um, obviously, we'll talk about their big move, Greg Monroe. Now, this is actually a, a very divisive move. Some people don't like the fit. I do, personally. I think they needed front court offense. In fact, they needed offense in general. They went, I think, eight minutes in a game without scoring in the playoffs, which is ridiculous. That's that's not good. What do you make of the Munro pickup, just generally? I like it purely because, okay, he's not very good defensively, but the rest of the team is. Mm. So yeah. if the rest of your team is that good, you need somebody who can just focus on scoring. That's what Munro will do. He can play as a four or a five. He's great in the paint. He's got good vision so he can pass out the paint. He's got a reliable jump shot. And he can even hit freeze on occasion. Yeah, he's a. I, I really like this pickup. I, there's a lot of people who don't like the fit. I am not one of those. I think as you, the thing we all know, he's a great shooter and he's good in the post. But it's his passing as well. It's a really underrated feature of a big man. He can pass out of the post absolutely brilliantly. And I, yeah, I just think it's going to be a really good fit for him. And he. He can run the floor as a forward. Like people think you have to be a point guard to run the floor. You don't. You can run it as a forward. Mark Gasol runs the floor for Memphis. So do you like the prospect of him and Jabari Parker? Would that excite you if you were a Milwaukee fan? It excites me and I'm not a Milwaukee fan. Jabari Parker would have been rookie of the year last year if he hadn't got injured. That's their biggest move this year is that they get Jabari back. And he's going to be amazing. He was so good before his injury. He was playing like 30 minutes a game. He was putting up near enough double-doubles on a nightly basis. And you've now got arguably the most explosive young player in the NBA with a really good offensive centre. They, they're they finally going to have offence to go with that defence. They could be really good. Yeah, they could be really good. But obviously, if this pick pickup doesn't work, they are in a bit of trouble. That That's the thing. People say that. That's the risk of any pickup. Unless you're signing LeBron James, it, any pickup is a risk. Well, yeah, LaMarcus Aldridge might not work out in... Yeah, he might. I mean, he's. San Antonio. I'm sure we'll get to that division uh, on another show, but I, you know, I've I've got a bit of a bone to pick with that signing. I think he's got his flaws. Not not every pickup works out. Uh, that is just the way it works. Some teams are still regretting old moves. Um, Darren Williams, he he should have been a yeah. sure thing in Brooklyn. He's horrendous now. Well, Joe Johnson as well. I think there's le- there's less pressure on Monroe because everybody's big issue with him is he can't play defense. That's not going to be a problem in Milwaukee, so he doesn't have to worry about it. He's going to play really well offensively. Well, also, I don't think Milwaukee are a win-now team, whereas when we ju- we just spoke about Britain, they were. I mean, people people had them to win it that year when they had Deron Williams, Joe Johnson, Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, and Britt Lopez. Then they had people like Andre Kirilenko on the bench. Yeah, and the Jet. 
yeah, they had a really, really nice team, but obviously that didn't work out. But the Bucks, some people have got them at sort of fourth or fifth. I think that's, I think that's a bit naive. I'd have them about sixth or seventh seed. I think it will take time to gel, and I think Jared Dudley will be a huge loss. I don't know if you agree on that, but he's a really good shooter. I'm really surprised they got rid of him. It was his decision. I he know. Went a, he went on the. Um low post and said that he had a termination thing in his contract and he basically said that he he wanted to move on because he did what they could in Milwaukee and he's going to be really good in Washington but I, I can understand why Milwaukee weren't so pers- like weren't trying to persuade him to come back as hard as they could because they know they've got this young team that's stupidly talented yeah I mean but even then, he's probably a good leader, a very professional guy. I mean, we we saw how big a loss he was to the Clippers. It was a really strange departure from them. I just, I think they could have maybe done more. I know he had a termination pin, but you, if you sit down with a player, you outline your future, I think you can persuade them. But obviously, I think that is their only negative. I don't think Pachuli is a huge loss. He's a good player, but they've got enough defenders. And... They lost Caron Butler and Sean Williams. I, I don't think they've really offered a lot. So, talk about their draft pick as well, Rashad Vaughn. What do you, how big a role is he going to play? He's, he's just going to shoot. That's all he needs to do. And yeah. he's a really good scorer. So He's I only mean, eight, he's only 18 as well. I mean, he's younger than me. So Yeah, he can just play spot, spot minutes in the playoffs or if they get there and just shoot the ball. That's all he's got to do. Come in, don't mess up defensively and shoot the ball. I'd like to think he's better than um I'd like to think he's better than OJ Mayer. I wouldn't yeah, I was gonna say I wouldn't be shocked if when it comes to like later in the season that he's overtaken OJ Mayo in minutes. Because Mayo's yeah. not reliable anymore. No, it used to be, but yeah, not anymore. Talk about OJ Mayo, that when they made that pick up it was quite a strange move. Whereas now they are making much more sensible moves as as we as you touched upon earlier. Um the other move we'll mention is Chris Copeland. Obviously, not not a guy you write home about, but a decent little pickup, isn't he? Yeah, he's a good defender. My only problem is he got injured during that New York, I believe it was a New York the nightclub altercation. Yeah, he broke. Did he break his leg or was that cephalosha? It was cephalosha that broke his leg, and I think Copeland got stabbed a couple times. Oh God! So you know, luckily Milwaukee's really boring, so he's not going to get any, <laughs> night, any nightclub trouble. <laughs> He might slip in snow, though, or something. Oh, that would be great. I mean, it wouldn't for him, but it'd be funny. Like, Copeland's not playing as he slipped on an ice patch. Hi, it's Peter Vesey. You're listening to Double Clutch Podcast. Don't believe anything these guys say. Move on to the next team in the division. Hopefully none of, none of these players slip on ice or anything. But we've got the Indiana Pacers, who the season before last, I would argue, were the second best team in the um, in the East. They, they, I'd they, argue that they were as good as uh, Miami. You know, just dice rolled in the wrong way for them because they yeah. were really good. They were the really good defensively, but they had a lot of um, creativity on offense. Paul George, George Hill, um, Rodney Stuckey off the bench. Even Roy Hibbert is not a bad offensive player, but that team's kind of been blown up now. Um, they've lost. Hibbert, they've lost West. So, what do you make of? We'll talk about their big move is getting in Monte Ellis 
How I'm not a big fan of him, but I want to get your opinion. What do you think of that signing? I like him playing next to George Hill because George Hill he's got really slow release and he doesn't run the court at all. He's really slow. He just like slowly prances up the court, whereas Monte can get it and he can shoot and he's not because Monte thinks he's an all star. And he's got this arrogance. Him and Paul George could be really fun together because they're going to they're going to be playing a small ball this year. Yeah, they they have said that, haven't they? That George is going to play a lot of the four. Miles Turner, I don't think he's going to start. But that's a really interesting draft bit, which we'll get to in a bit. But yeah, my problem with Ellis is I think he takes a lot of bad shots. He takes a a hell of a lot of bad shots, but he does make a lot of shots go in. Yeah, that's the thing. Very streaky. I think he needs a tough coach, which he has now. I'm not saying Rick Carlisle wasn't tough, but I think this is probably a better fit. I think he is alongside a better point guard than he was in Dallas. Without a doubt, Dallas don't have any point guards. No, he doesn't really like them, does he? No. Does not get on. I don't know how he's going to get on with Darren. It would be interesting, but, you know, it's for another pod. (laughs) Yeah, we could have a whole pod about Darren, the Darren Williams Rick Carlisle relationship. But what, a minute ago, I said that that team has been blown up. That really good starting five. Do you think it's a positive change, or do you think that losing Louis Scola, losing David West, Rodney Stuckey, um, will that be t- actually they brought Stuckey back? But they've lost a lot of that key team that got to back to back. Eastern Conference Finals, is that going to affect them in any way, do you think? It will, because Scola and um, West aren't as good as they once were, but they're still good leaders, and they've lost that leadership. But the guys they've brought in, in as situational players, Jordan Hill's a good player. Tony Douglas can be decent. Chase Budinger, is, he's not great, but he can play. Yeah, he can. He's good so shooter. it's not like they've lost this talent, because... Scola, as I say, Scola and West used to be really good. They're not anymore. They're now going to teams to be bit part players. Yeah. So it just made it was a necessity that Indiana got younger. That same with um, forgot we discussed before, but like uh, with the books, they get Parker back. They get Paul George back. Yes. One of the best players in the NBA. Yeah, I'd have him. That's massive. It's worth ten wins. Absolutely fantastic. One of the more underrated players, actually. Because uh, you look at the small forwards in the league, I'd say the two best players are both small forwards, LeBron and Durant, and then you've got Melo and other people. I'd pick Paul George over Melo. Yeah, pro- all-round game, definitely. Cause Melo's the Me- best scorer. Oh, he's yeah, absolutely. He's a stupid scorer, but Paul George, is gonna be. I think he's going to be great as a stretch four this year. Yeah, I'm really excited to watch that. Um, they're not a team I've decided to cover, but they're definitely going to be one if I have a free night. <laughs> When I don't have to watch the Pelicans, I'll um, I'll give them a watch. I think they're a very interesting team, and they've they made a lot of role player pickups. They've signed Rodney Stuckey, Glenn Robinson, Raheem Christmas. Uh, they brought back Lavoy Allen. But do you do any of their pick? And we'll talk about the draft picks as well. Do any of their little role player pickups excite you or think you you know stand out? I quite like Joseph Young because he was really good at Oregon. He could shoot the um, shooting guard they drafted. But Miles Turner, I wasn't very high on him during the draft just because he really underwhelmed at Texas. But in 
Vogel's system, playing for a coach like Vogel, he could be really good. Because he can shoot the balls really well. Because he's, he's like a stretch five. It's really weird. It's He's going to be able to play next to George. And he's a, he's a good defender. He's not as good as I've seen people rate him. But I don't know. Turner, if he gets to play and he plays like he should have done at Texas, he could be really special. Yeah, I, I was uh, really high on Miles Turner's. I probably told you on multiple occasions, but I just think a stretch five or a stretch five, I just think they're becoming the future. They're so valuable. Just to have someone who could step out and hit a three, he's not going to knock them down as consistently as a Kevin Love or a Dernovitsky, but he's going to be very reliable. And I, I like Vogel. He's a great coach. I'd have him top five. In the Vogel? League. Yeah, I think so. I think he's right up there. He's a... His offense isn't great, but defensively, he's a really calm guy. He's very collected. Yeah, I, I really like that. I don't think I'd have him top five, but he's not far out of it. Yeah, and I think if he makes a run with this team, I believe that he will be an absolute... I think that their, their ceiling this year is about 45 wins. Yeah, I mean, that, that could be but enough in the for Eastern the playoffs. Conference, that's probably enough, yeah. And certainly... If you're beating the teams who are around you, the likes of Milwaukee, you know, let's say they win seven games against Milwaukee or six, that's that's probably enough to just push Milwaukee out of the way. Yeah, right. and I, I'd take Indiana over Milwaukee at this stage just because they have Paul George. Yeah, and I'm not a big fan of Michael Carter Williams. I can't believe we didn't mention him, but uh, I'm not a huge fan. I think he's very inconsistent. He's just long. He can't score at all. But, yeah, Indiana, 45 wins max for me. But if it all clicks and Paul George plays as um, an all-NBA player, then they could get even higher because he's that good. Yeah, he is. He is outstanding, I think. And I've got them making the playoffs now, but it's so tough. It is really tough leaving teams out of the playoffs. I think this could be the first year in a long time that the Eastern Conference actually has every team above 500 because it's been years since they've had that. Do you mean every team in the playoffs? Yeah, sorry, every team. Yeah, yeah. Like all eight teams in the playoffs actually above 500 because it just never happens in the Eastern Conference. I mean, I'm going to do a bit of a hot take. I think there's three teams who have zero chance of playoffs. I'm saying the Nets, the Knicks and the Sixers. But I think the other 12, Orlando, I don't think are as bad as the other three teams I've just mentioned. I think they have a slight outside chance just because of their defense. And it depends how quickly Hizonia goes, but this is a really competitive league. And and another team who are going to be pushing in there are the Detroit Pistons. Now, I'm a big Stan Van Gundy fan. His teams are absolutely brilliant to watch. Well, to talk about their big move, Reggie Jackson. I'm a huge Reggie Jackson guy. I watched a lot of Detroit last year. Um, we've had a lot of discussions about him on the site. Do you think he was overpaid or does it not matter? I love what Stan Van Gundy said on the low post. He said that you can get a player who's worth $8 million but pay $12 million for him. Or you can get a $5 million player worth five, for $5 million. Would you rather pay that extra to get a player who is 
better than you could get, or would you just pay a you know a lower rate to get a player worth that? They might have overpaid, but they've overpaid for a guy that they wanted, they trust, and they know can play. I've not got an issue with it. Uh, what I love about Reggie Jackson is he is the perfect pick and roll guy. He's really quick. He's got a really good basketball IQ, which I think gets overlooked. Because he had a bit of an attitude problem. That doesn't make him a stupid player. That just he other, I don't think Westbrook's easy to work with. No, um, he's not. I mean, Kevin Durant has said about next year's free agency, he said he's not thinking about it. He's just making sure he doesn't get cussed out by Westbrook. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think he's brilliant. Him and Drummond, find me a lot. Try and find me a couple of better pick-and-roll duos and I'll give you all a fiver because I don't think there is. I think he's that is a good pairing, and it it kind of reminds me of the Jameer Nelson Dwight Howard combination. At well, all. that's what Stan's hoping for, isn't it? Yeah, and I think Drummond can be as good as Howard. I, I that is a hot. I'm happy to say that. I, I think San Ilyasova, another pickup they had, could do what um, is it Rashad Lewis? Yeah, I'm Ryan Anderson. Yeah, he could he could easily do what they did for them. Yeah, he, we'll, we'll get some more to that. Ilias over, they needed a stretch for their floor space in last year was hideous. Yeah. Especially, especially when they had Josh Smith. It, it was it was terrible. I've written a piece on it, um, which I can link on my Twitter later if anyone fancies reading it. It's a, it was about the um the signing of Marcus Morris, who we'll get to in a minute. But they, they Van Gundy's system needs floor spacing. You can't run pick and roll if you don't have people stretching the floor because there's no space to attack. I, Ilyasova's not great defensively, but if you're next to Drummond, do you need to be that good defensively? No, because Drummond's great as a rim protector. He, he's a monster. I mean, he is just, he can't shoot free throws, but neither can DeAndre Jordan and neither can Dwight Howard. And they're two pretty good centers. Exactly. I, they're two of the top five centers in the league. This Detroit team, I think they could push for the upper 40s in wins. They've got really stupidly good depth now. Yeah, they have. Because they've got like Aaron Baines, they overpaid for him, but he's a good player. Reggie Bullock is a good swingman. They've got Ilias Sova, Marcus Morris, Stanley Johnson. Steve Blake. Steve Blake, yeah, I mean, the depth is ridiculous. And Darren Hilliard could offer something off the bench. He was yeah, really- and they bought back. Like, no, I mean, they've still got Brandon Jennings, Anthony Tolliver, Jody Meeks, Contavious Caldwell-Pope. Yeah, and they've been to the big contract of... Um, of Prince, that's off the books. They go to John Lucas. I can't remember where he's gone. I think he's gone to Houston. John Lucas to mentor uh, Ty Lawson. Third string point guard. That's fine. Yeah, but also he's a he's a good leader. But it's, it's they don't need leaders. Uh, we'll talk about Marcus Morris. We've got a Suns fan who we work with, Ross McLeod. He's uh he doesn't like the Morris twins. He f- I don't blame him. <laughs> no, I don't either. They're a bit unprofessional. But we'll we'll ignore that side of it for now. We can come to it in a minute. I think Marcus Morris is a fantastic pickup. They needed a 3 and D guy on the wing. They didn't get Damari Carroll. They didn't get Tobias Harris. I know he's not 3 and D, but he's a very, very good player. I think Marcus Morris was the best they could have done, and they gave up nothing for him. I think Morris could be as good as Damari Carroll. I think he could be better. Because Carroll, for me, was all about the system. Yeah, I I was just going to say that. I think Morris can create his own shot. I... Because when I did my article on it, I think I mentioned that Morris shot well off the dribble and in mid-range, whereas Carroll didn't. And I, 
having a forward who can create your own shot is so important. It is so important. You have to have people who can do that. And it was really, really interesting just to see Detroit get him. I don't think they're going to end up with Mark Keith Morris. That, that <laughs> no, would, that, is, that, that is not happening. That would be hilarious, though, you've got to admit. It would, but <laughs> it just, no, that situation is laughable. De- I don't think Detroit have would give anything up anyway. They've got Ilyasova. They don't need him. But um, Stanley Johnson could play the four. What do you what do you think of him? Because I we've discussed the draft, but I don't think we had a long discussion about Stanley Johnson. How how good a fit is he? He's being touted as the future of like their future three. I really like him, and he can play the floor, the four, should I say? And he can shoot. He can defend. He he's pretty good in the post. I just think he's going to have to be bought in slowly, but which is good. Now that they've got Marcus and they've got Ilias Sova, because they're not going to have to brush him. Yes, and I think when we are looking at this Detroit roster now, they, as you said, America, they've got a ridiculous amount of depth. So their point guards are Reggie Jackson, Brandon Jennings, and Steve Blake. Their shooting guards they've got Contavious Coldwell Pope. I'd I'd put Jennings; he could play there. I think he's got the. Um, He's got a sort of speed to play at that role. And then they've just got a load of front court options. I see them getting about 47, 48 wins this year if all goes right. If it goes right, they could. And the thing is, they're so deep that they can afford to have one or two injuries as well. Yeah, and also they can afford to give people an off night because you don't want to be playing drum and 40 minutes a night. I really like the variation that you get with Reggie Jackson and Brandon Jennings because Reggie's much more of a passer he's more of a cerebral player he knows how to play the pick and roll whereas Brandon Jennings can come on and he can just put up the ball he can shoot it's a nice variety they've got in their backcourt yeah I mean that is that's absolutely spot on really and Stan Van Gundy another probably top 10 coach the Stanley Johnson's been brilliant in summer league. He has been superb, and a lot of people are saying that he could. I think this is a bit far fetched, but that he could be one of the best players in this draft class. Some have even said the best, which is a little bit ridiculous. But it's it's a good pick up. I think they wanted Hazonia, but that's not a bad guy to end up with, is it? No, I mean the two teams that wanted Hazonia, the Nuggets and the Pistons, ended up with two really good guys. Yeah, I think you ended up with a guy that probably is a better fit. Yeah, you, he probably Moody is. Eye. I mean, I loved Hazonia, but I'm not complaining about having Moody Eye. He's really good. And Stanley Johnson's really good for Detroit. It's not like you ended up with Justice Winslow or... Uh, <laughs> that would have been horrible. Or Willie Cauley-Stein. <laughs> so we've probably got about 10 minutes left. We'll just do our uh, top eight. Or who we've got making the playoffs and maybe a quick way. So my eight, Thomas. Well, yeah, we'll say in order. I've got... The Cleveland Cavaliers, Chicago Bulls, Miami Heat, Atlanta Hawks, Washington Wizards, Charlotte Hornets, Milwaukee Bucks. I've got the Pistons eight. So that means I've missed out the Magic, the whole of the Atlantic division, <laughs> which is quite harsh. And I've got the Pacers just missing out. But it's so tough. You know, I'm leaving the Pacers and the Raptors out. Uh, the Raptors are the one team that... I'd probably have in there out of the Atlantic because so, the Raptors could be good, but they really need um, uh, Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan to 
play as good as they were two years ago. Yeah, well, I'd argue they need to play as good as they did before the All-Star break last year because they looked like possible finals team, didn't they? And then they, they just... Yeah, well, Kyle Lowry, like the last two or three years, it, he's been arguing that he's the best point guard in the Eastern Conference and that he should be an All-Star player. He finally made the All-Star and then went terrible. Yeah, I, I don't think he... I think the best point guard in the East is John Wall. He used by Miles. I, I've been saying... I, like, when I first joined Double Clutch... Every like guy who's on the site was saying it's Kyrie Irving. I've been it's, adamant that it's John it's Wall. Not, it's, it's John Wall. And then again, Kyrie's second, but I don't think Dragic is far off either. Yeah, Kyrie's second because Kyrie's better. You know, he's really good offensively. But if you want overall point guards, it's Wall, then Dragic, then Kyrie for me because mm. Dragic is a better defender. I think so, but any differences with mine? Or if, I mean, you've been high on that we've chatted before. Would you? Who would you remove that I had in? I'd have Indiana in over, over Detroit. Over Detroit, yeah. That and I'd probably have Washington at three. What? Oh wow! I really like Washington. Yeah, they got they're, a lot. They're, of they're my league pass team this year. Well, apart from the Magic, I have to cover. But I really like the Beal and Wall backcourt. It could be special. The only off-putting for them is Randy Whitman is still their coach. It but. is, but I think they got to move. They're going to make a move. Gortat or Nene is gone. I get rid of Nene. I really like Gortat. I do too. I think Nene's a bit of a bruiser kind of player, isn't he? He's a Tom Thibodeau They need a guy. proper stretch ball. We've said Tom Thibodeau guy about 20 times on this show. <laughs> Nene, Nene is a Tom Thibodeau guy. He really is. It would have been great if he went to Chicago because he would have been a perfect fit. But if they can move Nene, you can get a Brian Anderson who you really love. I love Brian Anderson. I don't think it'll happen, but he'd be great in Washington. Because yeah, that's I what they need, a stretch ball. I don't think they'll move him, but I know what you're trying to say. There's a lot of stretch ball. What Markeith Morris at Washington? <laughs> That'd be quite funny. I mean, it'd be funny, but it could actually work. <laughs> it could work. And they've got enough guards. They could give up one of them. They could give up, I don't know, I know he's not very good, but they could give up Will Bynum or Garrett Temple. I think Garrett not- Temple is reportedly going to um, Utah now that Dante Exum's injured. Yeah, he's not a bad player, but Ramon Sessions don't really need him anymore. No, he well, he played relatively well when John Wall missed games in the playoffs. He did. He he was really good. He was, but then you get a healthy John Wall back. Oh yeah, you've uh, got a pretty decent backcourt behind John Wall now. You could remove Ramon Sessions. I think so. And the only issue of a stretch for I don't think Whitman wants one because Whitman's stuck in the past. Yeah, no, offense. that wouldn't shock me in the slightest. Well, that apparently John Wall last summer begged the GM and Randy Whitman in in his office. He just went, "Please get me a stretch four. It'll it'll benefit the team." John Wall's got a high basketball IQ. I don't know why they didn't listen to him, but they didn't, and obviously they they crashed out in the playoffs quite a bit unluckily. But I think this year though they've got veteran players because like Alan Anderson, Jared Dudley, and Gary Neal. Yeah, I I really like Gary Neal. I, they're, I they're great players to have as your veteran leaders on the bench. I really wanted Gary Neal to come back to Minnesota, but it didn't happen. I, I don't blame him. He probably wants another chance at a playoff run, which he's not going to get with us. But he's a good player, and they've got a lot of depth. And we'll talk about Washington in more depth on a future podcast. Um, off-season stories. There's it's not really a lot that's happened in this division, to be honest with you. No. Um, Bit, we covered it because all five could make the playoffs. That's, you know, we didn't choose it to bore you all. This is a 
very interesting division, and I firmly believe that f- at least four of these teams will make the playoffs. Yeah, it's between Detroit or Indiana for that final spot for me. And even then, if all five make it, it's not surprising because I don't think there's much between Detroit, Indiana, and then Charlotte up at um, up at who I had eighth, I think Charlotte. But yeah, and uh, I mean Charlotte could be good. They've yeah, got all the players to be good, but it depends on how they click because the offense just ran out of steam. Yeah, and I I firmly believe that this is going to be a good Eastern Conference. There's all this talk about how terrible the East is, but it could be really competitive this year. Yeah, it'd be a nice change. I'm sick of seeing the Eastern Conference with teams like Milwaukee when they played the Heat, and it was like they were seven or eight games under 500, and then you had Brandon Jennings saying that they were going to beat the Heat in seven. <laughs> I mean, those situations just shouldn't happen in playoff basketball. No, you're absolutely spot on, I think, and... But obviously, we hope you've enjoyed the podcast, guys. What we're going to try and do, it's being Thomas, because we're pretty available, we're going to try and cover all six divisions over the off-season. And then what what the hope is eventually is that we can focus on one specific franchise in a couple of episodes, and we're going to try and get right, like beat writers for each team. On we had we have one in the with the, from the Sacramento Kings who could join us eventually. We hope he will, but... There's a lot of people out there who we'd like to get on the show, and hopefully you guys keep listening. But Fuse, everyone at Double Clutch would like to wish their best to Flip Saunders, who was diagnosed with lymphoma yesterday. So everyone at Double Clutch wishes you the best flip. And hopefully next season will be better than last, because last year, would you agree, Thomas, it went off a bit at the end, didn't it, with all the injuries in the finals? Yeah, it was pretty inevitable, even though it was slightly competitive. And also, we'll finish on a, well, it's not really funny, but Mike Scott of the Atlanta Hawks could be in prison for 25 years for drug possession. Nice. That's a nice hot take to finish the show. So, <laughs> so it's bye from me, and I'm sure Thomas would like to say goodbye as well. Yeah, goodbye. Thanks for listening. No basketball game exists in a vacuum. What's come before, what will follow. On these courts, the score is everything. It's what makes us cheer and boo. Before the game has even started. Before the game has even started. It's what turns us into fans and haters. It gives us underdogs, upsets, dynasties, buzzer beaters, classic rivalries. At its best, the story can turn a jump shot into the it shot. Here's Michael at the foul line. The shot. It's the story. Got us wearing ridiculously oversized jerseys. Jumping on bandwagons. names into our face. And it's a story that brings all together to understand. It's not just a court. It's an epicenter. Where plots unfold. Fires the three. And the drama writes itself. So... What will your story be? NBA 2K16, star in the Spike Lee joint. Product not yet rated.